it's never introduced properly from is what I've learned. Um, okay. Well, I you know I've been trying to think of a good name mm-hmm. for like for this the segment segment yeah whatever whatever we consider this. Um, so my ideas are, I kind of you know I kind of wanted to do something also that was like. I was telling Clementine this something that like summarizes maybe a movie that people haven't seen before. Yeah. So like maybe in like the first few minutes we could just summarize things. Yeah. So I was like thinking maybe it could just be called like never seen it. Oh, that's good. Or something like yeah. that. You and John I have the names, know. man. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I don't know. So I don't yeah. know how to introduce it because I don't have a name for it. We don't um, have a name for it. I like never seen it. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know how to. Well, and that's the thing. Do we want to, because then it also has the Magnolia House logo. But then right. it's, I mean, under the same umbrella, so does that matter? Um, but I don't know. You could just, um, we can just introduce it as a Magnolia House episode. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, all right, so we're back for another episode of, episode? Are we calling yeah. these episodes? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we're back with Magnolia House. Yeah. We're back in the Magnolia House. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know how to introduce oh, this I, thing. I, yeah, I don't know if this how is the Magnolia House. How do we introduce this thing? Yeah, okay. Anyway. I tried to come up with a little like quick summary of what the kind of discussion is about. Yeah. And I tried to write it down. I, I really couldn't come up with anything. But basically, um, I was kind of thinking about it like when you watch TV and movies, mm. you are, you know, you're watching and looking into a world that was created by somebody, right? Yeah. So there's actually like some meaning and creation going on. Whereas the world we live in is like, you know, kind of, noise and sound and fury yeah. and it's all kind of just you make what you can of it you know and it's yeah. kind of just a little bit chaos and this one was um, very deliberately oh yeah very into that yeah, world yeah. yeah i think you know when we when we look at tv and films and interesting movies that way um we kind of can see how we react to it mm-hmm. and like how we interpret it and i think if you are very conscious of how you do that like you can start interacting with the real world that way right so in what manner just like, so like, let's say, you know, you watch a movie that like, maybe you don't fully understand or like the characters you like, disagree with or mm-hmm. things happen in there that you don't feel like reflect real life. I think if you think about how you react to those things, you start to see that like, oh, I see the world in a very particular way that yeah. this movie either jives with or in the case of what we're talking about today, 2001 A Space Odyssey, mm-hmm. where it's almost like uh, a Rorschach test of sorts, yeah. right? Oh, God, that's... It's almost like you can project onto it a lot of things. Yeah. And if you're conscious about what you're projecting onto it, I think you can see more of your own worldview, mm-hmm. right? And if you're conscious of what you're projecting onto it, you can use that to kind of figure out how you see the real world yeah. in a certain yeah. way. So wow. I think that's kind of... That straight up is a Rorschach test. Yeah. And I was, from the interviews I was listening to, I know you didn't want to because you didn't want it to taint your <laughs> view of what's going on. Um, but he said he intentionally made it so open that the personal interpretation is part of the movie. And nice. so everybody yeah. has a different version of the And I think movie a great creator does that. Yeah. And um, so just to say, we're talking about 2001, A Space yeah. Odyssey yeah. today, which is uh, a film by Stanley Kubrick, yeah. um, written with Arthur C. Clarke, the sci-fi um, Who I, writer. From videos I watched last night, Arthur C. Clarke has a monolith in his backyard. Really? Yeah, it's fucking That's dope. so funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, but let's let's start, with a, let's start with a quick summary. So like, if you haven't seen the movie, if you don't want to see the movie, if you've seen the movie and forget it or you thought it was too weird, whatever, yeah. let's just go over it real quick. And I think a good way to do it is just, how about you give like your a real quick, yeah. just short yeah, summary, yeah. no reaction. Okay. I'll give my short summary, no reaction. 
Okay. And then, uh, and then we can talk about. I'm gonna be really that. bad at this. Sure. Um. So basically, it starts out. Uh, it's like in space at first, right? Uh, no. And at first, no. it's the dawn of yeah. dawn of man. So it's like these. And I, I was saying it doesn't look realistic because the gorillas are too skinny. But I, from the videos I watched, they're they call them man apes. So it's right. like the the in between point between yeah, the it was, gorillas it was right and, before and, yeah. it became human. So it does make it a little more realistic. Um, and. They're just chilling, doing their gorilla thing, and then out of nowhere, a monolith comes, and it's beautiful, and it's clearly made by some form of intelligence, and then they all gather around it, and eventually one of them touches it, and then they all feel comfortable touching it, and then that kind of is the catalyst for them taking the next step in evolution, which is they use a bone as a tool, and then it goes from there, and then it skips forward, um, and it shows them on a spaceship, kind of thousands of years later and um skipping a lot of emptiness a lot of drawn out scenes uh <laughs> they discover there's another monolith on the moon um and so eventually they go there and it kind of does a similar uh it, there's a lot of there's a relationship between the way that the man apes interacted with the monolith and the way the men interact with the monolith which is kind of like in awe and they all eventually go touch it, or at least one of them does. Mm -hmm. And then um, that brings about the next advance, at least from what I gather. And then um, it kind of skips ahead to uh, David Bowman. Is that yeah, his name? David Bowman. David Bowman. Yeah. Um, and he's uh, on a mission. Oh, yeah. So when they touch the monolith, it s sends a signal, which is kind of like a tripwire. So when basically when men evolve far enough to do space travel, they reach the monolith. And that sends a tripwire and sends a message to Jupiter. Mm -hmm. And so they send a mission, unbeknownst to the crew, to go figure out what that that uh, message is. And then, um, yeah, so when they're following it, they're, the, the ship is uh, manned by an AI intelligence. Mm -hmm. And it kind of turns on them. And so it kind of kills, spoiler, all the crew members, <laughs> all except for one. Um, and then, uh, I'm trying to remember... Oh, yeah. So he ends up following the message. Uh, he goes through this wormhole-esque type thing. And then it sends him into this where it gets really fucking trippy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Which I found uh, from the videos I watched. And Kubrick actually does an explanation of explicitly what he meant by it. But he oh, said, really? I don't want, I don't like to do this because it takes away the mystery and the awe. But, and it sounds cheesier spoken than it does on yes, screen. Yeah. Um, but he said, basically... It was some higher intelligence brought them there, and that that room was intentionally like a Baroque or like French style room that was not done well. It's similar to the way that we put animals in habitats, but we don't know exactly how to mirror mm -hmm. what they really live in. Right. Um, and so it was a little bit off, but it was super surreal and beautiful looking, and it just shows him through his. It flashes through from his perspective, his different stages in life. And then he eventually evolves into, I guess what they call in the script or whatever, is like a Superman or an Ubermensch or whatever. And he's like the heightened version of humanity in like almost like a God form. Shows him hovering above earth. And then, um, yeah, it's kind of left That's to the, the viewer yeah. to see what happens next. As much as I made fun of it, the lack of dialogue in the other one really is what makes the movie work and what what's puts you in your own head the whole time trying to figure things out yeah um, yeah i mean i, th I think yeah i think i think the uh 
the lack of dialogue and just kind of the scenes that he does. I mean, we're talking like this was like made in the 60s, right? Before yeah. we were even on the moon. So like, I think it really created that sense of oh, like, what when did we, space when did we go might be uh, 1969. Oh, so so I think this came out in 1968. Weird. It was it was um, so right before Kubrick made the moon landing video. Yes, <laughs> yes, this was his practice. This was <laughs> yeah, his practice is, film. Oh fuck! <laughs> it totally could have been practice. <laughs> but I mean, he does the space moon scenes spheres. very well yeah. to make you really feel like there's like emptiness, void, and yeah. there's like so and much it, silence. And I yeah. feel like, and with the the hearing the breathing and right. the, and it just leaving that tension there, I feel like that probably is pretty close to what an astronaut feels when sure. he's out doing a, a, a spacewalk. And yeah. Like, All you hear is, yeah, the breath, and then every once in a yeah. while, somebody talking to you or yeah. something like that. Um, so, so cool. Yeah, I think you did an awesome summary. Oh, so like, that's kind of the summary of the, yeah. the movie. Um, yeah, this time watching it around, I, I feel like I really paid attention to the like sub subtitle of the movie, which is A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Um, and I really thought of it of like this journey in like, four parts of kind of like of humans in general, but also like um, just David Bowman's journey through space. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I would just say so my overview would be like, yeah, the four parts are the dawn of man, which is mm -hmm. like the man ape scene yeah. where they kind of touch the monolith and then evolve to the next stage. And then the moon scene where humans discover the monolith. So it's like a rediscovery by humans yeah. of the monolith on the moon and their reaction to it, um, which is very political. There's like a lot of political stuff. Oh, with, yeah, with yeah, like the, the, they kept it the Americans unwrapped. keeping it a secret yeah. and the whole like conspiracy and um, thing of it. And then, and there's David Bowman's journey into space with Howe on the mm -hmm. secret mission. And then there's David Bowman's journey after Howe is decommissioned mm -hmm. after he tries to kill, well, after he, after he kills most of the crew. That's a brutal scene. And, yeah. <laughs> and then him going to this next stage yeah i brought up this movie because we were talking about talking about interstellar yeah and i watched interstellar pretty recently mm -hmm. and i know you love that Which movie makes no sense you should have seen it when it came i out. really wanted to watch yeah. it a lot sooner honestly uh i think it came out in theaters at a time when i just wasn't going to movies yeah and then i several times tried to rent it on like on streaming services and like mm -hmm. it wasn't available or i didn't have money or time or something i just said you're not ready but well one time <laughs> one time i even i even got it from Redbox, uh -huh. and I think I got the Blu-ray thinking, oh, I, I can play this in something I have. And it was actually the longest yard. And, uh, and what, it was what? It was the longest yard. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> that would be such a disappointment. But no, I, I got it. Hey, like, that I, movie's amazing. Uh, well, if you're trying to watch Interstellar yeah, 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 yeah. and you watch The Longest Yard. Um, <laughs> but no, 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 I think I got the Blu-ray like, oh, I can play this in something I own. And yeah. then I took it home and I was like, oh, oh, I can't play this in anything. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know, some dumbass reason. Yeah. So. I, I had it and then I couldn't watch it, um, but I finally watched it. Um, really great movie, loved yeah, it. Beautiful. A lot of things to think and talk about, but it reminded me of which that's next. Um, it is next. It reminded me of Contact, which we talked mm -hmm. about last time, and Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, and like that's a good trio. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. So I wanted to talk about those two kind of in leading up to it because I feel like there's going to be a lot of reference mm -hmm. and stuff to it, um, and. Contact was also a book before it was... Well, Contact was supposed to be a, uh, a movie first. They made yeah. the screenplay first. Didn't get made. Carl Sagan wrote the book. Then they made the movie like later. It was 10 years later, the movie, right? Uh, yeah. It was yeah. like 1997, it was after, like 12 years after he wrote the book, mm -hmm. but which was like six years after they wrote the Carl screenplay. Um, and so then I learned about this movie um, in that 
it, I knew it was a book, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how it all worked out. Um, Arthur C. Clarke, who is a science fiction writer, mm-hmm. wrote the screenplay with Stanley Kubrick in like 1964. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was initially going to be a movie, but as part of the process, Arthur C. Clarke just wrote the book as mm-hmm. almost as like a like a prescript kind of yeah. thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my initial reaction to the to the movie when I first watched it, um, snooze fest <laughs> for me. I watched it when I was really? like sixteen. Oh, really? And I just and I was a huge stone, and I was just like, "What is this movie?" <laughs> I knew it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I understood that it was an amazing movie, but I just wasn't ready for it. Yeah, you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I I think I I love to I love like puzzles, especially like you know that's why I love sci fi. It's like it yeah. makes me think so much. When I first watched it, I was I was like trying to just figure it out. Like I was mm-hmm. like, I mostly was like, "What is the monolith?" Yeah, like that was kind of the whole thing for me. It was like, what is the monolith? And I and I th- always, I think, assume that it's some sort of symbolic thing, you know? Yeah. Um. So the first time I watched the movie, I remember not even realizing that it was even an alien species necessarily. Oh. Like for me, what would it have, what would it be if it? Yeah, was? and yeah. I think for me, it was almost like it was um some sort of allegory to just human evolution. Yeah. You know, through time and kind of the space race and all that stuff. Um. And when I was reading the book, you know, it's very explicit that like there's an alien entity, mm-hmm. like oh yeah, a- there's some alien agency well, going I, on. From the videos I've watched, and I know you don't like to watch those videos, but they are pretty enlightening. And they oh sure, I, yeah. I like to watch them a because I'm not the deepest thinker, so it's nice to have little cues into things. Yeah. But that you're talking about the, Stanley Kubrick, yeah, and other interpretations and, uh-huh. and all that stuff, interviews, all that. Um, what it does, it, it like opens doors for more thought on the top sure. um yeah. but what uh uh arthur c clark said was that the monoliths were originally gonna have screens on them mm-hmm. and it was actually gonna give them information because he said the whole point of the monoliths was essentially to push them into their new age right, right. yeah um so he said it was going to be more defined and like uh, this is obvious but they felt he was like, that was a stupid idea. And he's like, it's better to just leave it open-ended for interpretation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, in so in the book, there is more of like a, the monolith is, it's not black. The one on Earth isn't black. Isn't it? Um, it like in the book. In the book, oh. it's not. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it kind of has these kind of vibrating lights of strings and stuff. Oh. But basically what it does is kind of possesses them. Like it possesses like some yeah. of the man apes and like, makes them do things and like huh. certain ones are more able to like do things and not do things and yeah it kind of like makes them like form new connections in their brain mm-hmm. to like slowly help them evolve. mushrooms yeah something i don't know you, you know? know but it's like i yeah, feel like that's what mushrooms probably did it's aliens that are kind of forcing human evolution yeah or at least sparked human evolution but you know what and sorry to interrupt you there yeah. but i still think you could splice contact with 2001 with <laughs> interstellar sure you totally could yeah you could start with like uh there's a monolith blah 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 or like the apes the man apes and then fast forward to the future which is the contact time mm-hmm. and then fast forward to interstellar where it's like jodie foster was the wife of matthew mcconaughey <laughs> and she's died since but it's like you could totally splice them all together yeah i, th- I think you could i would be i mean there'd be some continuity errors but like i think you could do it yeah <laughs> i think with some real smart editing you could almost bypass it too there are aliens in this movie. Yeah. And I didn't get that the first time I watched it, but yeah. there are aliens throughout it. And, and it's us from the future, interstellar. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Okay, sorry to continue, okay. continue. So the aliens has set the monolith on Earth to force evolution mm-hmm. in humans. 
And then, yeah, the like you said, the monolith on the moon is a tripwire, basically. Once yeah. humans get to the moon to uncover it, it dope. sends a signal that they've have gotten this far. Which I learned from the interviews is a... Um, that was the whole, uh, I guess, impetus. I don't know if I'm using that word right. But I guess Arthur C. Clarke wrote a book before that, mm -hmm. which that was just a small idea in that book. Oh, really? And then that's what Kubrick was like, oh, this could actually be a whole nother thing. And that's nice. what started 2001 interesting so, yeah. yeah so yeah there's the monolith on the moon which is like a trip bar that sends a signal to the alien rate species mm -hmm. whatever basically that says like humans have made it this far mm -hmm. um and then humans end up going out to the monolith in space and like going on to the next yep. port part of evolution so there are definitely there's definitely an alien intelligence in the movie that I missed totally the first time mm -hmm. <laughs> because I think so symbolically or something. I don't know. I yeah. think I expect writers to be like, this just rep rep represents human whatever yeah. evolution. Yeah. Um, but it is very much a sci-fi alien movie. Yeah. Um, and the end scene where he goes into that room, he ends up mm -hmm. like going through this wormhole, mm -hmm. like in contact yeah. and ends up in a very and also like an human place. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause in contact in the end, she, you, she goes to the wormhole and I don't know when I watched contact, yeah. I expected to see an alien world, yeah. you know? Oh and like, yeah. Yeah. And if I, if I kind of was of the same mind when I watched 2001 thinking that this was an alien species going on out there, I probably would have had the same feeling of like, he's going to end up in an alien world, mm -hmm. but he ends up in a very human setting. Yeah. Which is again, when I was watching it, I was like, it would be so trippy if someone edited in the background of contact when she gets there, if you see him just, real quick uh david bowman just walking into a different area in that huh. place and be like oh shit he did it too <laughs> just a different method of getting there well That'd i mean be really cool yeah I, and in both contact and in oh. 2001 uh -huh. they talk about how um this alien whatever this alien intelligence is out there it's done this to several different species yeah yeah oh and they could have advanced their manners in doing it you know it could have yeah. been sure. the contact way then it was and then even cooler, where you could splice these together with Interstellar. You know when he's at the um, the weird lattice, like all of those different the strings uh -huh. and stuff. Right. And doesn't it show images, or does it not? Uh, it's like all the bookshelf. It, it it gets it's all oh, it's the all the bookshelf. Yeah. It's not. I yeah. was thinking you could splice images of the contact version yeah. of heaven or whatever whatever it was. Um, anyway, continue. Yeah. No, I, I was I was pointing out the connection between Contact and 2001. Maybe I should. I know how to use Adobe now. Maybe I'll splice those. <laughs> I'm gonna make them a, a six-hour-long movie. <laughs> no, I think you could chop them all up into you know each hour-long pieces and splice it all together. Yeah. That you I've, could cut a lot from fucking Space Odyssey. That's for sure. Just play it on like two times speed if yeah. I'm like out there doing stuff. Um. Yeah. I, I so in Contact there was a lot of God vibes. Yeah. I don't know. Did you get any God vibes from 2001 at um, At the end. At when, the end. When it's a floating baby or right. Uberman or Superman, whatever. Um, yeah. But this brings up the, the topic that I've talked to you about before. Um, and actually Kubrick said it in one of the interviews. He's like, I like the idea of, and I'm really shittily quoting him. He was like, uh, there's a, the, the God is more of just a, to us, it would, a super advanced intelligent species would appear as God to us. Mm -hmm. And I, I do, I'm atheist, but I think a God-like being could come about by humble beginnings. Mm -hmm. And that could be what that is too. It's, you know, sure. a, a deity type that started as a human. And what cooler 
adventure as an individual would it be to like that dude thought he was just going on a run-of-the-mill mission yeah they were celebrating his birthday it's like oh, i'll see you when i see you and then he gets all of the other crews get murked by yep. a computer and then he's just chosen and i and it's like is it was it deliberate that it was him that hmm. was chosen right or was it just any old guy will do um or a girl it's like yeah, it's very weird. And the monolith at the end. I remember I was telling you I thought there were uh, aliens at the end or like some people that were like, you're here, blah, 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 mm -hmm. um, when he was in the bed and stuff. Yeah. I realized after watching, I rewatched that part uh, at home. It's because the monolith in that scene, it's right in front of his bed. And right. it's almost it almost feels like it's tilted and like above you. Right there. I think it like had like personification, like it felt like a, like a being at yeah. that stage all the other ones it was just like a structure but that one it you felt like something was there hmm. um and i just thought that was weird and then um also just from the videos i watched when he's like reaching towards it i think that was supposed to be kind of paying homage to uh the who's it da vinci the god oh that, oh yeah the, yeah yeah the, um, yeah god and adam yeah sort of thing um is, is that da vinci I don't, I don't know. uh michelangelo michelangelo yeah mm. um that's another weird thought um which makes sense yeah and i think i think uh i like that scene a lot mm -hmm. and in the way it's done in the book just to like stretch stretch it out a little bit because it does that scene so the end of the book is just as confusing as the end of the movie yeah um, but it does explain a little bit more what he's experiencing mm -hmm. when he's going through that whole process and um he basically feels his consciousness being like drained his whole life he's going back through his whole life it's being like swung back to Similar before to he was born. Similar then, to Hal. True. That's true. Because remember when Hal is being, which we got to get to that scene, because yeah. that's the best scene in the whole movie, it in is, my opinion. Um, when Hal is being drained of his life force, he almost reverts back to babies. Like, this is when right. I was born. That's a and good point. And a cool fucking fact uh -huh. that I uh, learned last night, they had him sing Daisy because Daisy is the first song a computer ever played. Really? Isn't, oh. that, isn't that amazing? That's awesome. That's such a cool Easter egg. That's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you were saying, they, in, in the book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, he feels his consciousness basically being drained, and he's going back through all his memories back till before he was born. Mm -hmm. And then he feels as if his brain is basically being re-uploaded into a new being. Yeah. And that being is, they call it a star child in the book. Yeah. Um, and it's basically a new form of like... It's uh, human 2.0. It's not even human. It's like it, it, almost no need for a body. You kind of see him go through this almost like personal evolution of like he has trouble letting go of some of his human thoughts. But then like once he embraces the fact that he has no body and yeah. he get, just becomes this kind of godlike character. Mm. Um, yeah. But and I think in the book, though, they kind of also of the ego they, almost, <laughs> mushrooms. Yeah. They kind of explain that the alien species has kind of is gone now. Mm. Um and that like this like is kind of just a thing and now yeah and like this is all kind of just automatic process like yeah. this is kind of putting humans in the neck or this per at least like one person yeah because it doesn't seem like you know everybody is coming mm -hmm. to do this thing it's like david bowman's there and he goes through this process of he becomes yeah. now a higher being and he actually returns to earth at the end of the book oh um, really Going yeah, back really, to that kid who bullied him in high school. And like, look at me now, bitch. Yeah. Trips him. I'm a star child. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, it's interesting. And it, it's very telling of when the book was written. Um, in the end of the book, he it's almost like he realizes something. It's kind of confusing what's going on. But it's almost like his consciousness realizes something and then rushes back to Earth mm -hmm. and then stops a nuclear holocaust from happening. Oh. 
as like as like the god. So yeah. he like is watching over the earth now, and like he stops a nuclear bomb from destroying yeah. the planet or something like that. Um, which is just because at the time the Cold War was going on. So that was like a huge thing in people's consciousness. And I think he's like a benevolent god in that yeah. way. Um, but yeah, the all that stuff is kind of happening, and there isn't really an alien presence. In fact, you see a lot. It would describe a lot of the. Um, when he's approaching that room area, he kind of sees all these other derelict ships and like these other like this like derelict space space station that was clearly mm-hmm. you know a, a lot of different species like came the trial here. and errors or no the like other like, ones that were actually yeah other through. ones that were brought but almost like there's nobody tending to this anymore uh, yeah because they don't touch on that in the movie at all yeah no yeah the journey you see him go through at the end he finds the monolith kind of at this um, what do you call it when they all line up oh. Uh, it's a p word i think for a sec no i don't, I don't know, know. I anyway don't... there's this uh happens in hercules yeah Damn. All, all the planets align when the stars align <laughs> you will be uh jupiter and it's all always moons align yeah. there's a monolith and he goes through the the wormhole he goes through the wormhole and then he starts passing over all this land like I mean, it's all like, yeah. kind of warped yeah. out land looking things um in the book there's a similar scene where he's like on an alien planet basically mm-hmm. um and like and then he goes to like the sun and he's kind of like watching it all kind of yep. go by. Um, so those scenes are very much the same in the end, um, but also very confusing. And I remember being mm. super fucking confused at the end when you see the embryo. Yeah. So like, so like it, he, he goes in the, in the movie, he goes through his whole life. Almost, he almost like watches his himself get older mm-hmm. and then like lays down in bed and then the monolith appears and he touches it. And then in the bed where he was like a giant embryo basically yeah, yeah. is there. And that's visually super memorable. But I'm oh, yeah. I'm wondering if you've made it today. It's it's kind of I don't know. It's 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 weird. You just make it into a baby, and like that symbolizes a new version of yeah. life. But it's yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how you would. It's like how without talking or like, yeah. doing anything do you pre- like show that it's like something is being born? Yeah, you know? and I would almost like make it like a you would. Think of like a super advanced intelligence, almost just like pure energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but from the videos I watched, it, it's like he has no need for. So they were saying it's like um, oh, another interesting thing that somebody was talking about was that it's such a slow-moving movie, and there's a lot of emphasis on their uh, them relying on technology, like super hyper advanced technology, like Hal and the ship and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But then when they have conversations it's like very banal conversations like just hmm. about nothing like what are, you, what are you doing today happy birthday blah 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 right um huh. and then once he becomes the the embryo thing he surpassed the need for any technology to travel vast distances yeah um which is um yeah i don't, I don't know where to go with that but that's just something yeah. that they, they talked about yeah i don't when i watched the movie i didn't get those god vibes but mm-hmm. reading the book you definitely get the god vibes and mm-hmm. it was very Kinda, I, I kind of got God vibes. Really? Yeah. yeah. It makes me think back to Contact again. And uh, and when we talked about Contact, we just talked about how like Carl Sagan wrote basically this story about how his belief in a higher intelligence and in science mm-hmm. and um, kind of a galactic community or yeah. galactic species. Like even, you know, if, if, even if humans one day become a galactic species, mm-hmm. I think from his point of view, we would be so wise and powerful that we would almost be, yeah, godlike. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a faith in that there he kind of equivocates the two of like God, religion, and science in a yeah. way. Um, it would, and since seeing this, it just makes me think that like 
there is some worldview in science, I think, that once you really zoom out and see how vast and how like how much time really there is, yeah. like, and then how how quickly we evolve. Because like, mm. I mean, we're only a few million years old. Yeah. And we've gotten pretty far. But do you, you say we're only a few million years old. This version of us is only a few million years old. It's yes. taken four billion yes. years to even yes. get Yeah, this you're right. That's Which point. in the span of eternity is a blink of a blink of a blink of an eye. And that's the thing. Yeah. And that's yeah. still, yeah, that's still a really small thing, right? So like, even if there's millions of other species, we could still be considered some of the first. Because mm. if, if it really did start 15 billion years ago, and it could go to infinity, we would still be like the first. Right. You know, really like close uh, to the. Yeah, well, and again, yeah. like it's, we talked about last night when we were talking about if things go on so, ad infinitum yeah. and things go on yeah. both ways, that's forever. Yeah, there yeah. isn't really a start, there isn't yeah. a middle, there isn't, it's just kind of all yeah. is, which gets into the parallel dimension stuff. But I think, yeah, just in terms of the God vibe stuff, I think, I think when it comes to science or any sort of cosmic consciousness mm -hmm. that like, it doesn't have to be scientific. I think yeah. once you have a universal perspective, like a universe of how, or I, just an idea of how big the universe is, how yeah. small and short of time we've been around, and you think about there being another like intelligent species yeah. out there, or and you think about our future, or just technology even, you know, which kind of gets brought up too. Like you think about how powerful it could become given such vast amounts of time, yeah. and I think it's inevitable that you imagine that. And there will be a god state. The yeah. the advancement of the intelligence, especially in the AI realm, just gets exponential right. at a certain point. You know, once yeah. it hits a certain threshold, it's just like boom, 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 and it just goes. Yeah. Um, what do you think about though? One uh, thing I I, re I just realized that they all three of the movies share is one person is chosen. You know. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the god vibes, it probably would lessen. The effect if let's say everybody was turned into those embryos on earth you know right like that would feel kind of weird yeah, um, yeah, yeah and also it would kind of maybe cheapen if everybody was on that level yeah so what would it's even like that? are we always looking for a god then you know well and i think it's and then and then it begs the question like yeah if if everybody were to transcend like at what point is it is it like a bunch of individual gods and what point would it all be mm -hmm. kind of merging into like one oh yeah like uh because i feel like there's that thought, there's that thought yeah. out there too of like yeah you know, eventually we'll all become what the Borg or whatever, you know, yeah, and like yeah. that's kind of the next level of evolution and that kind of like powerful mind yeah. meld kind of thing. But, the, but that's also like just a bigger version of what our minds are now. Like uh, one thought I had, I was talking, I think I might have been talking with you. Maybe it was Will mm -hmm. a long time ago. It's like when I was hanging out with John every single, we were like hanging out every single day. His personality, because it interacts with mine so much, almost became part of my personality. Like, hmm. It's like when you think something to yourself, should I go to the store? No, I shouldn't. It's the same as asking, should I go to the store, John? No, I shouldn't, blah, blah, blah. You know, right. like that's, it's like compartmentalized in your own mind, but it's, it's externalized oh, in yeah. another person, um, which is a weird thing. So when you think of hive mind, that's like that on a bigger level, yeah. all the, you, every individual essentially just becomes a component of the mind. Well, and I think that, you know, humans are social creatures and like, I think you can, I know this is probably sounds like woo or whatever, but mm -hmm. like, you can think of social interaction. Our ability to empathize with each other is mm -hmm. basically a like way of us communicating via consciousness. Yeah. Like so like we're able to like, you know, like even language. Mm -hmm. It's a way of my consciousness being hooked up to your consciousness yeah. in a very, you know, this little invisible wire. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, yeah, through like a software or hardware mm -hmm. that is kind of natural and almost ethereal, right? Yeah. 
So I think there's that sort of, like there is that latent, our consciousnesses are very much connected already, yeah, right? But we just wait till like but the we're just, we're just link thing. That's a real conversation. Sure. Yeah, no, you know? totally. Yeah, and we're just physically separated via yeah. our bodies. Yeah. Imagine if every thought you shared with Clementine and vice mm-hmm. versa. That would be so weird. And so if, God forbid, any, either one of you passed away for whatever reason, it would be like part of your mind is missing. Yeah. It's like, sure. it's like when you leave your phone at home and you're like, fuck, and you're right. just off all day. Imagine if it was a whole other person. Right. And that's way but, off topic, but that's just no, 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 weird. No, but I, I, think, I think, yeah, you're getting at something that's really interesting. I mean, first of all, there's a lot of stuff about human evolution in this movie. Mm-hmm. But I think that points out this interesting, um, like interesting way that you and a lot of people view the world of mm-hmm. like human beings basically being a mind yeah. inside of a body. Yeah. Right. And like in that way, like, yeah, if, you know, I was connected via Neuralink or mm-hmm. whatever technology to another person or a bunch of people and one of them died, I would feel that yeah. as if part of my mind was dying. Right. Yeah. Um, and there are actually cases, I think, of I'm people. Afraid. <laughs> Please <laughs> yeah, stop. How? We should really talk about that. <laughs> God, but really that's that's. But uh, there are cases of people, I think, um, basically half having brain. half their brain being removed and it adapts. Yeah, which is so right. weird. And uh, like, but and they're still you still you don't consider them half a person, no. or anything like that, right? It, like T.J. Um, Miller, do you know who that is? The comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's really funny, but he had a tumor, and they had to remove like thirty percent of his brain or something like that. Dang, fully just the same, functional, almost no ill effects. Crazy. Um, and that's so that's so weird how you could, and it makes me think if you cloned my whole body, right? Cut my brain in half, put one half in that body, one half in this body. What would either of those look like? Right. And is it just, is it that straightforward? Or you can just write down the middle, just split it up? Yeah. I don't but know. But I think those are real questions because the question is like, again, like I think science sometimes and people with who like are very logically minded try to figure out like, okay, well then are you this, are those, are those two beings, mm-hmm. the half brain Tonys, mm-hmm. are those both one Tony or are they two new people? Yeah. And I think the answer is that like, there is no like scientific answer yeah. <laughs> of like, Oh, you know, we found out that like, you know, there's only a, the identity part is in one part of the brain. Yeah. And so this is the real Tony and this is it. No, it's like, we just have to, as humans contend with that. Like, yeah. are they two different people? Like mm-hmm. we have to decide whether or not, or, or maybe, uh, you know, much smarter intelligence might have that answer. Um, cause I mean, maybe, maybe we're just limited by our own stupid meat. But what processor. do you mean? What do you mean? Like we're limited? Like, like you think that maybe we just can't comprehend what it really means. You know, if you split, like maybe, maybe an, an advanced civilization would just view it as a computer and like, no, it really is this, 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 this. Okay. Well, here's the, okay. So maybe let's, let's get to the how thing now. Yeah. So the beyond, we'll, we'll enter this way. Do you feel like how is like a, so he's a very like intelligent AI yeah. in the movie. He runs all the ship systems. And you can tell throughout the whole movie that they're very like wary to give him mm, like uh, he already has control. Yeah, really. give him like a attribute consciousness to him. Mm. The the TV reporter like talks about how yeah. some people say he just mimics you know intelligence, mm-hmm. and then even David Bowman, when interviewed, is saying that like how is he like has emotions sometimes he acts emotional, mm-hmm. but that's because he's programmed that yeah. way, right? And he he very much makes it like he's just a computer Mm -hmm. right and they act as if he's just a computer yeah um and i think that like gets into the conversation of like well aren't we kind of the same thing? sure yeah totally and i think yeah and then that's a question right intentionally programmed we were programmed by evolution yeah right we were accidentally programmed a certain way um and i think that question 
like this movie isn't really about AI, but it brings mm -hmm. that into it with how. And like I think for a lot of people, and honestly for me too, it's like that's the most exciting part of the movie. Yeah, is oh, the most whole interaction with how and everything. And Arthur C. Clarke, that was iRobot too, right? No, as Isaac Asimov. Uh, Asimov. Yeah. Okay, um, my bad. Um, yeah, and actually Isaac Asimov was very optimistic about mm. robots. Yeah. Um, where how is the beginning of like the the rogue yeah. AI robot for sure? Um, but let's like background, I guess, a little yeah. bit. So they're on the spaceship Discovery, mm -hmm. which is supposed to just be a basic exploration. For, to their knowledge, is a yeah. basic exploration yeah. of Jupiter mission. So David Bowman and Frank, I forget the other guy's name. Who cares? The guy. No, I'm just kidding. He dies. He dies. <laughs> Um, in the coolest way possible. <laughs> they are not, they're the only ones awake on the ship. Yeah. The other three crew members, which are survey members, like are in hypersleep. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of tending to the ship as they go out into space. And how basically runs the ship. He's the mm -hmm. computer in charge. He's the most advanced AI that humans have at that point in time. Um, he or acts one like of them, I guess. They you know. interact with him as if he's another crew member. They even mention yeah. how he feels like a sixth crew member on the ship. Um, and they mention how he feels like they ha he has emotions and things mm -hmm. like that. And um, he's just in charge of everything, right? Yeah. Which makes it really scary when it feels like things start going wrong. Because mm -hmm. yeah. he's ingrained to every part of the ship. Yeah. yeah, he is basically in control of everything. Mm -hmm. um, so at a certain point, I don't know if you catch it. I don't know if I remember catching this when I first watched it. Um, he brings up to David Bowman how odd the mission is. But it's, it's but, weird uh, that he pointed out that the the mission was odd because he knew what the real mission right. was. Right, so he knows the real so mission. So was he trying to cue them in on the... You know, yeah, so the book does explain a little bit more of what's going on with his, the, the robot, the yeah. computer psychology. Um, but yeah, he like brings up to David Bowman about mm -hmm. like, do you have any weird feelings about the mission? Mm -hmm. And like, he's like, because I find it odd. Like, you know, you and the other three crew members trained separately and they were in hibernation when they came onto the ship mm -hmm. and i do remember that but why, why would that be weird that they trained separately almost as if mean? like there was like some secret like, knowledge being kept from, from them yeah group keep them all yeah. in silent or in in the dark right yeah well it, it, so in oh or were the the other ones in sleep the ones that were that knew about them right so oh, in, okay. in the movie they make it seem as if only hal knows about mm -hmm. the secret you know about the the monolith the on the moon and everything yeah. like that um, because really what they're going out there to do is that the tripwire on the moon from the monolith mm -hmm. sent a message to Jupiter. Yeah. And they don't know what's out there. They don't mm -hmm. know if some there's some alien outpost mm -hmm. or what's going on. So this under the guise of a regular ex exploration mission, they send these people out to investigate what that yeah. message was transmitting. Um, in the book, the three crew members asleep do know oh, about it. Okay. And that's why they're asleep because... They know that there's going to be publicity mm -hmm. from them sending messages back to Earth. Mm -hmm. So they don't want the people who are talking to the news and stuff to know anything. Oh. So they don't actually let anything yeah. slip. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, but it did. Yeah. One thing that I thought was confusing is how killed everybody off because he said the mission was too important, right? Mm -hmm. If there's nobody left, what can you even do with that mission? It's not like Hal has any arms or legs or any way of getting out right. of anything you know yeah and when i first watched it i was like how is on his how is like so i was all kind of thinking about human evolution i was like how is the most intelligent thing on this ship yeah and like probably in he feels like he needs to be the one the yeah. ambassador so uh, i guess that's kind of what i was thinking when i first watched it he just pulls um, up hey guys <laughs> <laughs> that he's like he feels like humans are just kind of you know yeah. not smart enough and because yeah. he how is so confident in all mm -hmm. his abilities right he's like you know, the 9000 series has never made a mistake, yeah. blah, blah, blah. 
and like humans everything is attributable to human and i almost don't view him as a bad guy like he kind of was he might have been right and maybe that's a point to the point of he's never made a mistake you know right but he he so in 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 the movie he uh tells them that something is about to malfunction they're like communication satellite is about to malfunction and uh they go out and they find they take the piece out and they look at it and nothing's wrong with Mm -hmm. it and they're like okay this is when they're like something's up yeah either like the computer is malfunctioning or Mm -hmm. like you know or this thing is going to malfunction and we need to like do something about it because it's not showing up yet so they said let it fail right so yeah so how has them take it out and then how suggests to them is like oh that's weird there's no malfunction we should Mm -hmm. put it back because I'm detecting that it will malfunction in a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. We should put it back and see if it fails. And then we can check if like where the error is, yeah. right? Um, so how gives the, a logical response. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have this feeling that something's wrong with how, mm-hmm. And they're very worried because how is in charge of everything on the ship. Yeah. Um, and in the book, they kind of go through, like you kind of go through the thought process a little bit more and you kind of know more of how's like calculations going on and they they make it seem in the book almost explicitly that um how is basically having problems because he is told to and even say this in the movie he is supposed to always tell the truth Mm -hmm. but he is told to keep a secret yeah and there's like a strange paradox for him that creates this weird tension and he wants to like kind of tell them mm-hmm. because he's supposed to, but he's also programmed not to tell them. Yeah. And it kind of drives him crazy. Yeah. He like, that starts, probably is he what starts to, he crazy. starts yeah. to go insane. Yeah. And so, so to the yeah. best scene. Yes. So the you death wanna, scene. Wanna, the death scene. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So they, the satellite thing, little box that they mm-hmm. take out of the satellite, they put it back mm-hmm. with the intention of seeing if like, it will fail eventually. Because if it yeah. fails, then Hal was right. Yeah. Right? So Hal makes the correct prediction. If it doesn't fail, something's wrong with Hal. Mm-hmm. And they have this secret conversation in the pod. You fa- I think you find it very slick the way they did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were like, um, they kind of like, oh, hey, like, you know, my transmitter's out in the pod. Will you come check it yeah. out? Yeah. And they go to the pod and they turn, turn off all off. the, yeah. turn everything off so Hal can't hear them. And they talk in the pod about, what, if only what they had just turned around. Away right, from, you right, know? yeah, I know, right? Well, they yeah. didn't think that Hal could read their lips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Which is crazy. Yeah. But uh, it's funny because watching it, they they explicitly say that if something is wrong with mm-hmm. Hal, that they have to shut him off. Yeah. And they go over and over again about if that's the case, they have no choice. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no other option. Which imagine if he is as intelligent as, intelligent as they as they say mm-hmm. imagine if you you didn't go through the process of being born and all that stuff but you just appeared as a fully formed person and they're like ah we messed up on you we're gonna have to turn you off you'd be right. like whoa right what the fuck you doing man like yeah. i just got here like sure. you know yeah and how seems to have an emotional reaction <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that was the most i i, I saw a, a comment on youtube in that that clip video they're like the most brutal death on on camera like it's it is it is kind of brutal yeah and it, it, it feels like the slow death of a real person and this and it, it also almost feels like it almost feels like what slowly dying as like an old person might feel like Oof. how you can your, your mind your, your mind is slipping and you're aware of it and yeah. you have to just 
go through it while you're fading out of existence. Yeah. And that's so, it's, it almost feels like it would be like dying on mushrooms. Like you're hmm. hyper aware. Interesting. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, mushrooms give me a lot of death vibes. <laughs> um, but it was, it was so brutal when he was like, please stop. I'm right. afraid. Yeah. Oh my I gosh. I feel scared. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like they definitely try. And it's, and it's one of those things where it's like, you have to wonder if how is a computer knowing that saying those things would, would stop. Oh, trying right? to evoke it's, some yeah, empathy. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. You, it's hard to tell if he is just saying that. Yeah. Because he knows that's what will stop them. Or if he actually is experiencing it. They reverse. He's like, bitch, I ain't scared of nothing. <laughs> Fucking kills him. <laughs> do it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, no, I mean, I think that's, that's a, that's a, that's a question that like you have to decide like when we ever develop an intelligent robot. Yeah. And I have a whole thing about AI separately. We can talk about mm -hmm. some other story, but like when we develop an intelligent robot that mimics human, yeah, a human being, a human consciousness, how do we decide if it's fully mm -hmm. conscious or not? I, I don't know that there's a, cause it's the whole question of how do I know you're fully conscious? Exactly. You know? Exactly. And even if there's the whole Turing test, you can make something appear to be fully conscious. Right. The appearance, there's a difference between the appearance and actual consciousness. Right. So it's unless there was a way to maybe link yourself up to it somehow. I don't know that you could ever know. Sure. You know? Well, exactly. And I, yeah. I think that and for me, I think that's, that's definitely a, a big part of it is that you could never truly know. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if science, unless you honestly figure out the consciousness molecule, blah, blah, yeah. blah, you know, whatever. But like, there is no way. I'm a solipsist. All of y'all are fake. Sure. Yeah. But you <laughs> act like we're real. <laughs> right. Um, but I do. It's interesting, and uh, and I think it's probably because it's an actual real thing that happens. But like you'll see in war movies, when somebody's mortally wounded, and they're like, "I want my mom." Like, where's my mom? Like, it yeah. seems to be when people are dying of like painful or death when they're fully aware that they're actually fading out. It's like you you're reaching out for something, and a lot of people, it's like their mother, the maternal figure, mm -hmm. or some people, it's God. But it's like almost a similar thing, and that it kind of felt like. When he was reverting back to like, I was born this day. This is my birthday. Mm. He sings Daisy. It felt like he was reaching out like similar, similarly to somebody calling yeah. for their mom. Well, I mean, yeah, if you just look at what, so if you just look at what he did, right, which is all mm. really you can look at when people are, when you're judging somebody, mm. if they're conscious or not, I guess. Um, he must know that if he did something wrong, mm -hmm. they have to shut him down. He yeah. know because they even say we have no choice, yeah. right? So he must know that's the case, right? And he's already lied to them right so he even though he suggests because it's the logical thing to do he suggests mm -hmm. they should test the failure they test the failure and then um frank is the one who goes out to test it the second time mm -hmm. and he knows that they're gonna find out yeah that he lied yeah right so he kills frank and then tries to kill david <laughs> yeah he know. kills frank and he like shoots the pot into him and sends him whirling off mm -hmm. into space david goes <sighs> after frank body to yeah. save his body while david is gone that's a real one that's yeah the homie yeah while david is gone um he kills all three people in hibernation mm -hmm. he like he just has lost it he's yeah. like 
Yeah. They're going to shut me down. That's like, like a real calm insanity. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> just very methodical. Casually just right. murk four people, almost five. If if he is conscious, like, do you yeah. think he's a sociopath? Would all robots be sociopaths uh, in some Yeah, way? that's probably a good question. I don't know. Because uh, it's not like you can, I mean, you probably could program empathy into them. But, but he's just being calculating, like, I made a mistake. I'm going to get killed. Yeah. Like, well, what do I do now? Yeah, and but that's, that's also that's also very human. That's very human. Yeah. That's a yeah. very human reaction, yeah. right? It's almost an emotional reaction. Yeah. So he kills all three of the people in hibernation. David has gotten Frank's body and is trying to come back in, and mm-hmm. Hal will not let him in. Yeah. Like he, you know, it's it's funny. Whenever I watch that scene, I always think, uh, you know, that's like I feel like the most famous lines is when he's like, "How do that? Open Dave. open the 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 pod bay door yeah. now." And he's like, "I yeah. can't do that, Dave." Yeah. I always uh, whenever there's like a like Alexa or a yeah a Siri, <laughs> yeah. I always say I that to do them. That, Alex. I always wonder what oh. they say, what they say back to me. Yeah, and it's funny because people, I mean, the people who make the programs always program something Little and that's like kind of funny of or something. But uh, have I you would, tried it? I've done it with uh, Siri, and Siri yeah. says like, "We're not on a spacecraft, and I'm not Hal," or something like that. <laughs> um, Google does not know what you're talking about. Yeah, I forget yeah. what Alexa says, but they all say something. <laughs> I always find that interesting. Google is Siri's like hillbilly cousin. <laughs> Can't like, do I it. don't know what you're saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he won't let David Be- Bowman back in. Mm-hmm. He's basically said, I'm taking over this mission. Mm-hmm. Like, if I let you back in, you're going to kill me and I know it. Yeah. You know. Um, but and so it's, yeah. It's weird that because you would almost, and I know it wouldn't be this way because it's a super complex system, but you, the Kubrick could have just like pulled the plug, dead. Sure. Instead, he wanted oh, you to no. feel it. Yeah, yeah. So David Neuron gets back in like, and yeah. starts shutting Hal down. Yeah. And Hal, like at first, he's going like he once he gets in the ship, mm-hmm. finally, because after Hal won't let him, he, he gets in through the emergency airlock. Uh, Hal is just pleading with him. He's like, "I made a mistake. Like yeah. it's gonna be fine. Like, <laughs> chill, bro. Chill. Yeah, chill. <laughs> yeah." And that, and we talked about last night when we were watching it that like in a way he, Hal is super helpless. Like he has yeah. no body to no stop arms. him. Yeah. Like as long because he you know uh, David was in his spacesuit so he can't like yeah. st- you know suffocate the, him or anything. Oh yeah, uh, that's like, what I was gonna say. His one out is probably suffocating him. Yeah. Um, but if he's got his, because then he was like, "It's gonna be real hard without your helmet." Yeah. Things like that. But, yeah. Yeah. Mm. He's like, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to leave you out there. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes to the computer mainframe and starts slowly shutting Hal down. Yeah. And then Hal has a very, and again, it's like, is he really having this emotional response or is it just him pleading, yeah. thinking that he can get him to stop? But then he says like, my mind is going. Yeah. I oh. feel it. And he keeps saying like, I feel, I feel it. it. I yeah. feel yeah. it. Like, and it is like, oof. Like, yeah. Is it is David like doing the right thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's. But like, also, shutting him down is not the same as blowing him up. You no, could but, reboot him. You know. Yeah, but I guess you know. That's like, how, what does Hal know? Hal yeah. knows that he's well, about he's to be super sh- smart. Shut off. Oh yeah, they could do anything with him afterwards. Yeah, but it, to me, it's probably more akin to like anesthetic. I know? guess. Maybe um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, that was a very savage scene and yeah. beautifully. It was, aesthetically it was very beautiful yeah that was a long scene that was totally you kind of feel something throughout it yeah you know how it's like slowly his mind is fading he's like i'm afraid i'm afraid yeah. david yeah. like stop that please. was probably the most human thing he did cause, yeah yeah i feel like i would react similarly to that situation and then he slowly sings that daisy song out which is just gets real creepy and then it goes, <laughs> 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 which that that made it so much cooler that that was when he was didn't he say like they taught me this song. They didn't yeah. say it was programmed. It was like, no, yeah, he was like, yeah, he, 
he mentions who the first like computer person like, yeah. engineer that was worked with him mm-hmm. and he's like he taught me a song yeah which, do you, want, do you it, want me to sing it, it for you it sounds like a kid saying my dad taught me this yeah it's like he, yeah, yeah he gets real innocent he stops pleading after a certain yeah. point after he's like said all the facts about where he was born yeah he kind of stops pleading and he which that felt like self-assurance like i've existed i was mm. here this yeah. is my origin huh. very ugh, dark yeah um but yeah the fact that that was the first song ever made it played on that's the computer crazy. that's that's so cool, cool. <laughs> we're in a fucking simulation man like <laughs> that is weird yeah i mean that's definitely the best scene yeah after that like you could like that's that's like the meat of the movie and mm-hmm. then you get the bonus wormhole scene after yeah. which just kind of throws you for a loop but like yeah. which I, yeah. I watched how that was made um i think it's i could be butchering the name i think it's called slit screen capturing and it's basically They've got these screens and they have the camera and they only let a certain image, a certain slit of it be passed through. Oh, really? And then they move the frames inch by inch. So it creates this effect of like, I'm, I, I, I am doing a bad job at explaining, but it's, okay. it's really cool how they made it. Interesting. Um, and I think they, they did it for a lot of other movies afterwards. But it's interesting that the, the pacing of Kubrick movies, it's like if you watch... Um, What's the hotel one? Shining. Sorry. Yeah. That one also is like very long drawn out. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, all the shit goes down. And right. I haven't seen A Clockwork Orange, but I think that one is pretty crazy throughout the whole really? thing. Right? I have not seen it either. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting that it's like the real punchline is at the end. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, it builds. It builds so much like, yeah. tension, I Hi, feel like, that it kind of goes on. Um. Yeah, I, I, maybe one more thing we can mm-hmm. talk about to yeah. kind of close it out. I do, I do find it interesting. You brought up before how uh, one person makes it in the yeah. end, right? Which is kind of interesting. Um, I think, sorry to interrupt you. I think mm-hmm. that's probably to put the person in their shoes, so it feels like it's almost happening to you. And also, I did, it, it was so obvious when it was said when I was watching the movies. There's a lot of um, relationship between 2001 and the actual the Odyssey. Oh um, yeah, it's like a coming home story, uh-huh. um, which I was like, "Oh, fucking Odyssey is in the name, right?" Um, but yeah, it's it is interesting that one person is chosen for each of these. Yeah, these yeah, yeah. And I think there's I, there's more of a connection. I don't want to talk about it more when we actually talk about Interstellar, because um, mm-hmm. when we talked about Contact, um, you have to think about how she was not initially chosen to go, right? Yeah. She wasn't chosen. Someone else was chosen. But that's that guy dies. That makes me wonder who did the choosing really. I mean, why why did the alien race even leave it up to us? Who went? You know, in contact. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I and mean, and maybe they knew that the first one. Maybe they knew everything leading up to it. I don't know. Um, I mean, I think the aliens in that movie seemed pretty hands off. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they were kind of like. You're going to make it or you're not going to make yeah. it. I mean, you made it this far. Could you imagine if they sent that fucking douchebag, Drumlin? <laughs> Fuck that guy. You hated Forever that guy. Forever sandwich. That guy. <laughs> he robbed someone who rightfully originally had the most beautiful experience a human could ever experience. And you just fucking took it, you yeah. piece of shit. And you didn't even believe in the mission in the first place. Yeah. Well, that's just that human. That's like, part. that's like spending your whole life, literally your entire life from when you were a child searching for buried treasure. And there's this dude who's like, you're an idiot. There's no buried treasure anywhere. And then you find him, he's like, oh, sweet, it's mine. Yep. I would murder him. Straight <laughs> up, I would murder him. 
Yeah, I bet so, inside she was pretty wrecked. But she was so calm. She's like, oh, blah, I think blah, she's, you know, she just she has gone. that like rational like exterior. Yeah. Like she acts like whatever, I would not be I think that inside. She was doing some severe psychological damage yeah. to herself <laughs> <laughs> by suppressing all, yeah. that, all that stuff. Uh, she kills herself and they're like, wait, we have a second one. <laughs> God damn it. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah the Odyssey is a little, or 2001 is a little different because um, David Bowman kind of is just a random person. Yeah, I think you know, like, and he's just kind of. Um, I don't know. He's I don't even know if you'd say he's the main character of mm -hmm. the the movie necessarily because you know there's like again like three different yeah kind of acts that are going yeah. on in there. Um, but yeah, he is alone in the end, and he mm -hmm. he has to like suffer through everybody dying. Yeah. I think that's why it was kind of it was in the book. He doesn't go to get Frank's body. It's kind of too too far gone. In the mm -hmm. movie, he goes to get Frank's body, and like I think he. I don't know. He was probably with him for so long on that yeah. space right out there. And, you know, he's he's already been alone for so long. Yeah. And um, also, somebody pointed out in one of the videos I watched, the last words spoken in the movie were probably like 30, 40 minutes before the even actual ending of the movie. It was, you know, probably the video about the monolith, right? Um, was it? Because after he shuts Hal down, that video uh -huh. turns on that tells him about yeah. Yeah, monolith. yeah, that probably was last, and there was still a good what half hour left in the movie. Oh yeah, 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 and then um, he goes out there, but and um, yeah, and so yeah, and then also he lives his whole life into old age in that room. As far as we know, I mean, it's but also it could have like, just blinked. It could have just happened. Yeah, right. Yeah, it could have yeah. just gotten old and then been reborn. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of hard to tell, but uh, there it did remind me of similar vibes because uh, both in contact um and after i think after a certain point once he shuts hal down and all that shit goes goes haywire mm -hmm. he has to know he's not coming going back to yeah. earth right yeah and jodie foster's character is very much like i don't care if i, I don't care if back. i ever if yeah. i come back like to go out there and experience this is like the most important thing to me um, and i think that's the and and matthew mcconaughey's character kind of had the same thing too like he, he he was like when i see you again you'll probably be older than me like he well, knew he was going on a long. He, well, yeah, but he also. Oh, oh, oh in Interstellar, you mean? Yeah, in Interstellar. Oh, gotcha, yeah. yeah, gotcha. Yeah, um, yeah. I think there's more of a connection between the. Oh yeah, he's the in people. contact too. Yeah. <laughs> again, again, how you can splice them together <laughs> it just makes sense. There's, but, I mean, I, I'm really excited to talk about this when we talk about Interstellar because there's a, I think, a big connection between how Jodie Foster's character was chosen and how Matthew McConaughey's character mm -hmm. was chosen in, in Interstellar. David Bowman seems a little bit more. Random. But again, yeah. 2001 just seems also a little bit more kind of out there, mm -hmm. and just in general. But beautiful movie. It is a beautiful movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Any last thoughts about it? Um. Gosh, I'll probably I'll probably have some after we cut. Um, but no, I think that was a pretty good summary, and it does bring up a lot of questions. And I I do think it's intentional that they left it open ended throughout mm -hmm. the whole thing, kind of. Um. To, it's almost like he left an open slot for you to put your own yeah totally uh, uh, yeah interpretation yeah. of the movie and that's again touches on God vibes where it's like everybody has their own version of what God is and all that my closing thoughts are just uh, yeah it's very much a you know this first thing we're doing are very sci-fi e-movies mm -hmm. um, and this one definitely has a theme of like evolution of man mm -hmm. I think and I think that maybe all three of them share 
this thought that the evolution of the human species, if we're able to survive mm-hmm. long enough, is our proliferation into space. Yeah. This one is different in that, you know, we see the literal evolution mm-hmm. of man from ape to like, you know, modern almost political spacefare to like yeah. space exploration and then possibly beyond, right? Mm-hmm. We almost get to see him evolve into a different, you know, yeah. higher intelligence overall. But um, I think all three of these, you know, and we'll probably talk about Interstellar too, is the idea for people that like our future is among the stars mm-hmm. in some way. Yeah, no, I so. definitely think it is. And also there's a whole weird thoughts of, it's like, this is a little off topic in terms of the movie, but if we were to, journey to Mars and create a civilization there. What are our two different planets, the the versions of humanity on them going to look like in 10,000 years or sure. a million years, you know, if yeah. you make it that far. It's like if you it's like lizards that immigrated to another island look drastically different. It's it's the whole Darwin, it's like straight up Darwinism. Yeah. Um and it also makes me think we were talking last night, I don't remember how it was related, but we were talking about space and and time like mm-hmm. where you are at a certain spot it's it's no different than it was a hundred years ago right. whatever and it makes me think of like what were uh man apes or gorilla like in this exact spot right some cra- crazy stuff has probably happened in every inch of the world you know and it's like if you this is again we, we probably should have <laughs> finished but it's just weird to think of what was happening at this exact there could have been Two gorillas sitting like (laughs) in this exact spot, in this exact spot, just having their weird monkey conversation. And then it's weird if you were omniscient and you could see time as like just unfold, start to finish, whatever. And it would be such a trip to see two gorillas or monkey people just chilling like here and then fast forward it and it's like us. And then what you wouldn't look like. You wouldn't be fast forwarding. You would just be, be, you would be stepping through a different like so like i mean we have three dimensions right mm-hmm. uh, length width height well we're i don't know that's what and we then call time it. right so time is the fourth dimension mm-hmm. that we can't step we unfortunately yeah. can't step out of we're yeah. in the stream of it but if you were able to travel through that you wouldn't you all you need to do is basically walk yeah yeah forward in time yeah. in whatever way that dimension goes yeah. which we're not able to access but honestly that 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 idea that like at some other point in time in this exact spot, mm-hmm. something similar was happening in a yeah. different way. It's like a very poetic thought. To me. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's it trips like, me out all the time, yeah. especially when I like visit my, the house I grew up in and I'm like, there's, there's this, um, it's very cool. And it goes back to off camera conversation about me going to the dump and passing those rocks. And I was like, those rocks have been the same rocks that I passed when I was a kid. Right. And when I go to my grandma's house, which I grew up in, there was this, uh, fence post it was like the metal one right chain link and somebody had put a jj the jet plane tattoo on it Uh and it stayed for like 20 years really and i go there and i see it and i think of myself as like a kid like if if you could see time that way you would see me standing there as a kid and you would see me standing there now and that's 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 that trips me out yeah it's so hard to think about it yeah and i've thought about too you've seen arrival uh no i've heard it's amazing though it's a really good movie i don't there isn't much it's just an amazing movie um it is i don't know how much there is i mean sure you could reflect about it Mm -hmm. and think about life and stuff and how we experience time um but 
uh, there's a lot of crazy time stuff yeah. with that. And uh, thinking about time in a different dimension and how limited our thinking is yeah. by time is. Maybe we'll do yeah. one on Arrival. Maybe. In our uh, Never Seen It series. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for watching. Cool, yeah. The four of you. Thanks we for really listening. appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, talk again some other time. Yeah. Sounds good. Right. Peace. Bye.